Praise the Lord. This is Pastor Johnson from Bethel Lady Church. Thank you for downloading our podcast. We are so glad we could connect with you through this podcast. Please ensure you subscribe to receive new messages every week. We pray this podcast builds your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and motivates you to live a life of excellence for the glory of our Lord. Thank you for your support. Enjoy the message. As we were studying about uh, prayer, which is being led by the Holy Spirit, there's something very important about prayer that we cannot ignore. The Bible emphasizes this so much. It's called prayer with faith in God. Now that we have heard a lot, but prayer with love for God. A lot of times when we pray, we sometimes pray with faith in God, but the aspect of love for God is something that we ignore sometimes. Sometimes we love the things we are praying for more than the God we are praying to. And this is so important that we get it right. A train will never reach its destination unless it is on the right track. A vehicle will never reach its destination unless it's on the right road. An aeroplane or a ship never reaches its destination unless it's in the right direction. Therefore, just movement, just prayer is not enough. We need to learn to love God more than loving what we like to have. And this is really where the flesh gets crucified. You know, Apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then he went on to say that our sinful nature is crucified with Christ, that our spiritual nature is resurrected to walk in Christ. Prayer really is a place where the flesh gets crucified. And I want to learn, uh, let's start with a simple scripture. Uh, when I say every scripture is uh, profound and not simplistic, but then this is a popular scripture. Psalm 37 and verse 4, it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. Delight yourself also in your Lord, right? Delight yourself also in your God. So there are things we delight in. I mean, of, there are people who enjoy a dessert after a good meal. They just, in fact, some people eat for the sake of the dessert later. <laughs> some people just love to laugh. They just want to end the day with some social and they just want to really let it out with their friends and you know, enjoy and I guess uh, enjoying and delighting ourselves in a good vacation or or in a good worship service you know when people come to church I've heard so many people say the one reason I come to church is because it's one place I enjoy you know I don't know how time flies there it's something I enjoy so delighting yourself in a variety of things is absolutely all right but the Bible says delight also yourself in the Lord your God. Enjoy God. It's not enough to serve God. It's not enough to worship God. It's not enough to pray to God. But you see, if our prayers have to become more effective, we must start to delight ourselves, enjoy ourselves, get refreshed with God. 
Get refreshed, you know, after a, a good, good 45 minute session in the gym or one hour of walking, that cool lemonade, man, is so refreshing. That's the kind of effect God's presence should have on us. Refresh yourself, delight yourself in the Lord your God. And what's the result? In that kind of prayer, where you're not pushing yourself to pray. I mean, you may start like that, but you develop, you see, love is something that you decide to do. It's, love is a decision. Love is a decision. That's exactly what God is saying. Don't you enjoy your work life? Don't you enjoy things in the world, your business? And you enjoy that, but not more than the presence of God. You come back and say, God, your presence is where I get refreshed. Your presence is where I get energized. That, now cultivating that culture is not very difficult. It's very easy. We enjoy the things God has given us in the world, but we enjoy God because we learn to love him more. So the Bible is saying, delight yourself in the Lord, your God. And you know what God does in response? Every one of us have two different things. One is things we desire. Another is things we pray about. Not everybody, not everybody uh, prays everything they desire. <laughs> I love this scripture in the Bible. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, because you loved righteousness and hated iniquity, the Lord your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness. And you see, what we love matters a lot. God is saying, when you delight yourself, when you enjoy yourself in my presence, when you enjoy me, when you enjoy my promises for you, when you enjoy my plans and you learn to love me and my plans for your life, I will not only answer secret petitions, where, which means there's no one else to pray for you on that, because that's a secret petition. You don't have a whole church backing you up in prayer. It's a secret petition. It's something confidential. God says, no worries. I'll answer not only your secret petitions, but I'll also grant you your innermost desires that you are sometimes embarrassed even to ask. Sometimes you're not even confident to ask. Sometimes you feel, ah, it's not so important. I don't want to ask. What I'm saying is, God is not trying to cultivate our greed for material things. No. But what God is trying to say is this. When you learn to delight yourself in me, I will give you more than just what you pray about. I will give you more than what you just pray in private. I will also give you the desires of your heart. Those which are worthy desires, those desires which God thinks you deserve a break. And so God says, take it. Let's learn to love God when we pray. Amen. Love God more than the things we are praying for. Love God more than the things we desire. God, your plan for me is better than the plan I have for myself. Help me to love your plan for my life more than the plan I have for myself. You know what? That kind of prayer holds the attention of heaven's throne room. And you are sure to see miracles of a size and proportion you probably never even dreamt about. Amen. Second, the Bible says it's not enough to love God when you pray. It's important to have faith in God and God's plan. So when we pray, it is profound that we have faith in God. Simple prayers, like you're praying over the meal and saying, Lord, thank you for this food. Instead of making it just a custom and culture, 
Why don't we also put some faith into that prayer? You know what? When you pray with faith, the Bible says it is sanctified by prayers of thanksgiving. Amen. That's a powerful scripture. It's sanctified. When you pray over things, it's sanctified. It's blessed. It's blessed. And the Bible tells us in James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything. Wow. Shouldn't expect anything from the Lord. When you pray with faith, you can expect everything. But when you pray with unbelief and doubt, God says, "Mm -mm, don't expect anything. Don't expect anything to happen. Faith in God means persistence in prayer. But continuity in prayer, willingness to go on in prayer. In fact, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, Jesus said, ask and it shall be given unto you. One of the translations the other day I read, it says, Jesus said, ask and keep on asking and you shall receive. Kids have the confidence to ask and keep on asking till they get. Beggars have no confidence. They ask and if it looks like it's not going to happen, they walk away. I want to ask you a question. In your prayer time, do you behave like a beggar who gives up with no confidence or do you behave like a child who keeps on asking until you get it? The Bible says, ask with faith. Ask as a child of God. Ask as a son and a daughter, not with unbelief, not with anxiety, not with uncertainty, like a beggar who's waiting to turn around and walk away because they are not sure if they'll get anything. Why they are not sure? Because they have no relationship. But why do the kids keep asking their parents and not give up and keep nagging and keep crying and keep dancing around and keep singing and do whatever it takes to get what they want? Because there is a relationship. See, we have a relationship with God our Father through Christ Jesus. And therefore, we ought not to behave like diplomats in some diplomatic coup. We shouldn't be acting like beggars in some kind of a begging situation. We must act like family. We must behave like children of God because that's what God likes to see. That's why the Bible says, ask. So when you ask, you must believe. Confidence, not just in God's ability, but in God's willingness. Now, many people believe that God can do anything. They know God can do anything. But then they have doubts about, does God have a plan to do it for me? Is God willing to do it for me? So the Bible, when it talks about faith, it says, you must have faith in two things. In God's ability and in God's willingness. That yes, my God wants to heal. Yes, my God wants me to prosper. Yes, my God wants me to succeed. Yes, my God wants me to walk in holiness and get out of the wrong habits and cultures. God has a desire for us to get over our challenges and walk in victory. And that's the kind of faith we need to have when we knock on heaven's door in prayer. And the Bible compares doubts to the waves of the sea. The Bible says those who doubt will not get anything. Why? Because they are like the waves of the sea. The Bible is using the language where it says, 
blown and tossed, blown and tossed, <laughs> blown and tossed. If you go to a beach, any beach, uh, almost every beach, if you go to any beach, okay, you have the wind blowing and you have the waves that come to the shore, the waves of the water that just come from the sea to the shore, that come to the beach, and you almost think, oh, it's going to come, because that's the way they come. You know, they just pounds over other water, the wave is holding its head high, and it's coming as if I'm going to conquer. But by the time it reaches the shore, it puts its head down, it just comes, kiss your feet, and then go back as if it's going back to the center of the sea. Look at the speed it's going back in. The same way it came up, <laughs> in the same speed, like the pendulum of a clock. It goes back almost in an attitude like, I'm never going to come back again. But then you see it go about 100 meters or 80 meters or 150 meters. You see that water just recede back into the sea. At the next wind, it's coming back. It's changed its mind. It's coming back. And the wave is coming back like as if it's going to take over. Now there are other quantities of water flowing back into the sea. And this wave, you know, goes above all those waters. It's like I've made up my mind. This time I am going to the shore. I am going to conquer the land by the time it reaches the shore it puts its head down it's changed its mind and it's going back into the sea people with doubt is compared to that and the bible is saying people like that who have a lot of faith when they start off and then they have doubts and they have questions and they recede and they go back into their original condition and then come back again with great faith and then they give up and they go god's word says don't expect anything from god don't expect anything from God. When you expect something from God, it should be matched with your persistence in prayer. It should be matched with your character of not giving up. I've got a story for you. This story is from the Holy Bible, from Luke chapter 7. There's this guy. He's a centurion. And uh, one of his servants was sick. And the centurion heard that Jesus Christ our Lord was in town. And he decided to request Jesus, our Lord, to heal his servant. And so he sends the Jewish leaders who go and meet Jesus and makes a request to the Lord Jesus. So the Lord Jesus is walking towards the centurion's house. When the centurion gets to know Jesus is coming to my house, he sends another set of representatives to Jesus saying, you don't have to come to my house, Lord, because I am a centurion. I'm a man in authority. And I know what authority and power are like. When I say to somebody, go, they go. When I tell somebody to come, they come. Just like how I have authority over my soldiers, I know that you are the son of God and you have authority over life and death. My servant is dying. I don't need you to come to my house. I'm unworthy to receive you. If you will just speak a word, that's enough. I know my servant will be healed. So the guys whom the centurion sent as representatives for the second time, when they ran up to the Lord Jesus who was walking on the way to the centurion's house, met him halfway and said, well, our centurion says to you, master, you don't have to come to our house. You just have to speak the word because you are the owner of life and death. One word you say, that's enough. 
Jesus turned around and said, I have not seen such faith, no, not even in the whole of Israel. The Lord was enamored. He was, he was so excited. He was delighted in the faith of the centurion. And the Bible says that very hour, that very moment, the servant who was sick in the centurion's house far away was healed and moved from death into greater life because God's presence healed him even before the Lord Jesus could visit that house physically. I want to show you two things from this man's life. One, he loved God and God's people. And second, the centurion had faith in God. Love and faith together, when they work, hey, miracles of unusual sorts happen. Let's run through that. The Bible says when the centurion heard that Jesus was in the city of Capernaum. Capernaum is about 250 kilometers by walk from Jerusalem. Okay, so it's about, if you're going to drive, it's about 180 kilometers by the new highway they have built in Israel. So Capernaum was a city uh, quite far from Jerusalem. And the Bible says this centurion is a Roman leader. So centurions, we have to understand, it's like the Romans used the same soldiers to go out and defend their territory and conquer new territories. And when there was no war and when there was no work in the border, the same soldiers would come and act, would come and work as police maintaining law and order. So a centurion was of a very high repute and a good officer with a lot of respect. He had a servant in his house who was sick unto death. You know, sometimes when something, maybe we are not sick, but somebody in the house is sick, you know what? It can affect our productivity because all of us, over a period of time, build relationships and systems. We build function, functional uh, things around us that hold us up that are able to do what we want to do in life. And if we don't become sick yet, if somebody in that terrain becomes sick, it can affect our productivity. We have to be careful that we don't allow sicknesses in the areas of productivity in our life. For example, our attitudes. Don't allow your attitudes to become sick. You know why? Because an attitude of poor self-image or an attitude of treating others badly can affect the productivity of your life. Don't allow relationships to become sick. Because sometimes sickness and relationships due to unwise commitments you make or inappropriate expectations from people Sickness can come into relationships and it's hard for a healing there. Sometimes our communication becomes sick. We have to be careful. When you see signs of sickness in the way you talk, pray for a healing in the way you talk. Why? Because death and power, death and life are in the power of the tongue. The Bible says that. I love the scripture in the book of Isaiah chapter 28. It says, anybody who uses mocking and insulting and gossiping to tear down others. The Bible says such people are going to tighten their own bondages. Sometimes the bondages on our life comes because of the sickness we have allowed in the way we communicate, the way we talk or the way we listen. Communication. Our finances. Don't allow sickness in our finances. You know, the way uh, we have developed negative habits of spending or investments. 
Anywhere in your servanthood, if you see that something that is supposed to serve you is becoming sick, get back to the Lord Jesus and pray for a healing, whether it is the service of your attitudes or the service of your relationships or the service of your communication or the way the finances are supposed to serve you. Don't allow sickness in any of those regions because they can affect your productivity terribly. Pray about it. Our God is a healing God. Amen. You see, the centurion was a leader. Leaders pray. Leaders pray. Good leaders pray good. Many people think that prayer is you know, not for leaders. You are so wrong. Good leaders pray well. Mothers and fathers who lead their children well are people who know to bend their knees in prayer. Good businessmen who know how to lead their company into great success know how to bend their knees in prayer and bow their head in prayer. Good leaders pray good. There are great leaders like Abraham Lincoln and so many others who knew how to pray and they depended on God's grace and made worldwide changes through character of prayer. Good leaders pray well. Amen. You know, leaders, when you look at the centurion, he was a man who prayed to the Lord, but you also find something interesting about him. As much as he prayed, he learned to delegate work to others. You know, leadership in prayer will teach you one thing. You don't have to do everything. There are things you need to learn to let others do and learn to hand over work to people that are responsible over it and want to grow. Leaders select the right people to represent them. You see, the centurion just didn't send anybody. He sent the Jewish leaders to Jesus. He was very careful. He called the Jewish leaders and said, can you guys go and talk to Jesus and ask him to come? Be careful of who you allow to represent you. Good leaders maintain good relationships with everybody. Let me explain this. This centurion belonged to the ruling class and Jewish people were the servant class at that time because Romans had invaded the Jewish territory of Israel and they were ruling over the Jewish people. But the centurion did not behave like an upper caste. The centurion didn't behave like someone in authority and treated others poorly. He maintained good relationships. You know, good leaders make people peace with everyone around them. Number four, leaders are responsible for things under their care. It's a good leadership principle. When God is raising you up in your leadership and there are people who like to follow what you do, you must care for the people who are with you, under you, above you. Care for people who God puts in your area of influence. Don't make every prayer just about yourself. Make some prayers for people around you and wish change that is positive in their life. Number five, leaders are bold to ask and they're not afraid of expressing gratitude. Some people are afraid to say thanks because they feel if I say thanks, am I lowering myself? I know people have all kinds of complexities. Good leaders are not ashamed of showing gratitude. 
I tell you, I'm so happy sitting in the church week after week. I come every day to the church office, sit down and meet people. And I'm seeing so many people come, you know, literally hundreds and hundreds of people coming through the week saying, we just came to say thanks to the Lord and to get prayed, to say thanks to God. Why? The last one and a half years, while things were bad, God protected us. God blessed us. You know, good leaders are not afraid of expressing gratitude, whether it's to God or to people and good leaders are not afraid to make bold requests. Hallelujah. Let's grow in our leadership like the centurion did. It was a good leader. And the Bible says he sent, he sent Jewish leaders to Jesus. And the Jewish leaders came to Jesus and said two things. Let's read that. It's in the gospel of Luke chapter seven, verse five. The Jewish leader said to Jesus, persuading Jesus to come and pray in the centurion's house. What did they say? Lord, you need to come to this guy's house and pray for a servant because he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Two things, he loves our God, he loves our God's people. And second, he has built a place of prayer for us because he believes in the power of God who answers prayer. You see, faith in God and love for God working together in a centurion from a Roman background. Interesting. His love for God and God's people, his faith in a God who answers prayer came together. Hallelujah. And then the Lord said, yes, if the guy has built a place of worship for you, if the guy has invested his money, if he's invested his resources in building a place for you to pray because he believes in God who answers prayer, it's a wise investment he's made and I'll not ignore that. You know, many of you who spent your money, your time, your tears, your prayers to bless the work of God, to bless the kingdom of God, I tell you, my brother, my God will answer your prayer. Hallelujah. Don't, you don't have to think, oh, I'm like the Roman centurion far away from God. No, 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 no. My God is watching what you do and he does honor your efforts for his kingdom. Hallelujah. When they told Jesus that this guy has built us a synagogue to pray and he loves the God of Israel and the people of this God, Jesus said, I'm coming to his house. You know what? When you love God and when you have faith in God, God will not ignore. God will not ignore your prayer. He will answer your prayer. Hallelujah. And the fascinating thing is this. When this man sent representatives to Jesus saying, you really don't have to come to my house. I heard you're walking towards my house. I'm kind of unworthy, Lord. You know, real faith in God makes you respectful of God. Some people have so much faith in God and then they, I, I actually don't like even to say it, but as a, as a matter of teaching and preaching, I'll say it, but this is so wrong. I've heard sometimes, you know, some people get so excited and they say, God, you got to do this. I believe you for a miracle. You know, faith is not to command what God should do. Faith is to receive what God is going to do. Faith is the willingness to honor who God is. Hallelujah. This guy, you know, he had so much faith in God. And he said, God, I don't, you know, when you really have faith in God, you'll respect God. You'll honor God's choices. He says to the Lord Jesus, Lord, I don't deserve, I have so much faith in you and I love you. 
But my faith and love for you will not treat you with contempt, will not treat you as casual. My faith in you and my love for you is coupled with respect for you. It's mixed with respect for you. I don't deserve that you come physically to my house. Just speak the word. Your word is more than enough. Hallelujah. Your word, O oh God, your holy Bible, one thing you say that's more than enough. If your word is there in my house, my house will have a healing. There will be a change in my house. And Jesus turned around and said, this is the kind of faith I'm looking for. This is the kind of love I'm looking for. Hallelujah. And while they were talking, the servant was healed. When faith in God and love for God come together, God answers even the desires of your heart. The guy was healed. Amen. Amen. That very hour, the guy was healed. Our God is able to send his word and do a miracle. We are going to pray together. Let's learn to love God more than the things we pray for. Let's trust in God and his choices more than our plans for ourselves. And in that platform and attitude, when we pray, I tell you, our God is a prayer answering God. Hallelujah. Shall we pray together? Take a few minutes to close your eyes and say, Father, I believe in what you're going to do this week. I believe in what you're going to do in my life this month or in the years ahead. I love you, Master. And I believe in what you're able to do and what you've promised over my life. Yes, I have plans for myself, but I trust your plans over my plans. Yes, I love the things that I love to have, but I want to love you more than the things that I love to have. Help me, God. Help me in this process of growing. Help me in this process of changing. Hallelujah. In my leadership. Oh God, let there be miracles. Let the things that are supposed to serve me stay healthy and not fall sick. Things like my attitude, things like my relationships, things like my finances, things like my communication. Let it not become sick in any way. These are servants that you've put in my life. Oh God, and let them stay healthy and let my prayer life be anointed. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus. Today, I declare the goodness of God upon your people. Heavenly Father, as a priest over your house, I declare your blessing upon your people. Let there be healings. Let there be miracles. Let the leadership growth happen in each one's life, oh God, in the team they lead at work, in the things they do in their college, in the neighborhood responsibilities that they take up. Let their leadership be blessed by you and may your favor be upon them. Protect them. Let your miracles rest on them. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Wonderful God, we want to thank you for nothing is impossible with you. We love you, Father. Bless your people in abundance. Answer their prayers. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Oh, I feel it in my heart. Our God is a prayer answering God. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I believe that you are blessed. Please connect with us for prayer or counseling. Please do call us or visit our website or visit us. The details are given in the description. We'll be glad to serve you. Do subscribe so you can receive the latest podcast to encourage you in your journey in Christ. 
please do share it with your friends too by clicking the share button. We are praying for you. God has great plans for your life. Thanks again for participating, listening. God bless you.